Hello, and welcome to the Blogging Business Owner Podcast. I'm your host, Anna. It's good to have you here. This episode may include affiliate links. And remember, this is not legal or financial advice. Now let's start the show. So glad for you to be joining us today. This episode of Blogging Business Owner is going to present an older episode entitled How to Write a Blog Post. I want you to pay close attention and in the comments or in whatever way you prefer to communicate with me, tell me what points still resonate with you and what do you wish you would know more about. Enjoy. And today we're going to be discussing how to write a blog post, a step-by-step guide for blogging business owners. And just as the disclosure, we are going to be using some affiliate links. And what that means is that it's a way for you to support the show. If you use the link, it's at no additional cost to you, but we do get a small percentage of any purchase that is made. So when I first started blogging, I found myself um, face to face with a huge learning curve, which was how to write a blog post. There was a ton of content that I wanted to put out and I had a list of things that were sort of more so in my head rather than on paper. And I needed a way to put those ideas into an organized outline and start from there. And so that took a while to learn how I was most comfortable writing a blog post. And you might be finding yourself in that space as well, where you don't quite know how to get started or how to get into a flow of writing that makes sense for your readership and yourself. Why should you have a blog? Well, every business benefits from having a blog. When a business has a blog, they create constant communication with their audience. And they're also building a two way communication so that the audience members are also communicating back with the company by leaving comments or feedbacks and tweeting about new releases, launches or any changes that the company may have. So if you don't have a blog yet, it's a great idea to start a blog to make sure that you're putting yourself out there and that people know that your business is relevant and that it is working. I think that writing blog posts also helps you reflect on the great things about your business and how you're thriving. And it does give you a lot of ideas as far as social media content and how to promote your business. In addition to making sure that you are putting content out there, Also, you're putting content into the search engine. And so what that does is that whenever anybody looks for something that is related to your business, your business is more likely to come up when it has fresh content and tons of content as well, so that there's different keywords and different headlines that is fulfilling. Those are some really great points that you bring up, Anna, about having a blog for your own business. Uh, I think it gives you a lot of visibility and ranking uh, among the search engine, right? When you have a blog associated with your business. Other than that, I think like uh, it's a way for you to connect with uh, like people who you are giving a service or a product to. So you can keep them in the loop, convey them the value proposition of your product or service and keep up. Uh, keep them up to date with what's coming up so that they are excited about uh, new releases. Yeah. So whenever there's tons of businesses that I follow, of course, because I am a consumer and I do tend to go out shopping. And so it's so great when I get to hear about new sales, new um, ventures, new products, uh, new ways of strategizing. It's really fun. And I like communicating with different platforms on or with different businesses and different platforms. So some might be a little bit more uh, leaning towards uh, images and might have a stronger presence on something like Pinterest or Instagram and others might be more uh, news kind of lenient and I might engage with them more on Twitter. I really find um that I get excited when I find a business that's able to adapt to the different platforms. 
In my spare time, I really enjoy reading newsletters. And so I probably read newsletters for about an hour or two every week. And that's something that just helps me to learn, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what do I like, what do, what's catchy, what's not. And, and also just learn about the businesses that are around me and that I support and small creators like myself. And that's another way that I love to to tune in. I mean, of course, other people have bigger budgets and they're able to do magazines and, and reports like that. And if you have the budget, then go ahead and do it. But if you don't have the budget, then social media newsletters and your website and your blogs are a great way to keep promoting your business. Yeah. So while you're focusing on building a blog for your website, which is basically like a ton of blog posts, right? There is a balance between the creative aspects for writing and uh, being a little structured while you're writing. Do you want to tell us how you balance that? Yeah, it's difficult to do. Uh, I think different people have different approaches. So for me, it's really starting with a big idea and then putting it down on paper. Sometimes it's starting with the end in mind. There's different ways. I, I'm not saying that my way is the best way, but if you have tried other ways and you are struggling to write a post consistently, then we're great that it's great that you're here uh, so that we can talk about one way to do it, but there's definitely different ways to do this. So for me, I start with a headline. So some something that I want a title, right? Something that I want people to know about what I'm going to be talking about that day. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be using that title uh, all the time, but that's how I start. After that, I then make an outline. So I make other headers or su and subheaders as well. And I start to craft the way that the blog or the post is going to start to look. I might start to ask questions uh, about what people might be wondering, uh, what services or products may be associated that might be helpful. Uh, what are the frequently asked questions? Are there other posts that are similar to the one that I'm thinking of? What headlines that are and headers that they use? Uh, what are some sources that I can connect my work to? So those are all things that I think about when I'm uh, writing a blog post. But, you know, some some ways that you can get started is grabbing a piece of paper and a pen and start to write things down. Sometimes being in front of the computer, it's, it's sort of intimidating because it's a blank piece of paper and it's just kind of blinking at you. So sometimes it, it's it's sort of hard to get into a creative space um, on the computer. So if that's the case, use pen and paper. Um, I love using stickers and different colored pencils and using different types of paper, the texture and even the background to it, like plain, line, uh, dotted, graph. So all those things help me to think about what it is that I need to do. And sometimes I have so many ideas and, and just the structure in my head that I'm able to start writing. Not all the time. Sometimes I, I need to start with an outline and then walk away. That's okay. I think as long as you're writing every day, I think that's what counts. Yeah. Thanks for the tip about headlines and writing it down on the paper and working there. Uh, if that's the way you're creative, um, I would think like headlines also kind of seem like a summary to your blog post. So like uh, your readers can go through the headlines first uh, inside your blog post and get a small gist or summary of what's coming up and then they can spend more time on the post. Yeah, I I think that's really important uh, for people to be able to scan, read your blog post. I think about my behavior and usually when I look at a post, I usually scroll through it pretty fast and and just see if it's going to be worth my time or not. And if something catches my eye, then I pause and I read it. The influence of the author is a, a high leverage point for me. So if it's someone that I love their writing, maybe the subject doesn't 
I'm not very familiar. It's not that catchy, but if I love their writing, I will read it from top to bottom. But if you, you know, if, if you're a new blogger like I am, most people won't recognize your name or your brand. And so it's important to have an element of scannability to your writing so that people can quickly go through your post and see and pick out which are the areas that are gonna be most useful to them. So once you have different headers and subheaders, you can start to form and look at how your blog post is gonna look like. I found sometimes when I'm writing an outline that some ideas are, they're good, but they're just not really in line with the title that I had in mind. And so if it's a really complex, complex subject, then sometimes I opt to break up the blog post into several sections so that people can get the value of of their time by reading the blog post and not go through different avenues and not get the answer that they need. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes the blog post is there and I don't need to make a different blog post. I just need to make sure that it's ordered in a way that makes sense to the person. And that changes. Sometimes it's sequential, uh, like a step-by-step. Other times it's more of a story. Um, other times it's, it's, a, it's creative. And so it, it really depends on what the subject is. And that will give me a point of reference of how I'm going to order the blog post. I don't tend to look too much at uh, length of the blog post. I aim for 5,000 words for every pillar article. That means that that's the article that I'm going to be pointing to with all my other uh, blog posts. But then for the other blog posts, they usually range between a thousand and three thousand words. And sometimes it's just enough. You don't have to say more. That's how I do my writing. Uh, and there is a lot of um, editing and revising. Yeah, let's assume that like you you go through this process and come up with a really awesome blog post. How would you determine like if this is addressing the needs of your audience? Like, does it speak to your audience? How do you go about thinking about that? Well, I think I I think about the tone and the voice that the blog post is written in. So, for example, in my nine to five, it's an academic position. And so it's formal and that's not what it's like for blog posts. For blog posts is, is more conversational. So switching your tone and your voice is really important so that you're you're connecting with your audience. So that's that's the first thing. I also look at frequently asked questions, comments, and also from my conversations with my audience members. It's it's important to make sure that I am answering questions and that I I am uh, engaging with with their needs. Sometimes I might ask questions like, what questions would my readers have? What supports and structures will they need? How can I make it accessible? And those are all important because sometimes I may know what I'm talking about. And so I'll just write things down, which is totally fine, right? But that's that's called the first draft. That's not what I'm going to put out. I may then uh, start to bullet point or bold some areas or make them headers and subheaders to help with readability. I also know that uh, some of our audience members do require some accessibility. Uh, they have accessibility needs. And so making sure that the blog post is also accessible to people who um, are visually impaired is really important. So making sure that when it's read out loud, it makes sense and that they're able to go back to a point uh, because it's you can't bookmark right different parts of an audio uh, or at least it's like really difficult to do if you don't have like the right software. And so making sure that we have headlines um, are good pausing points so that people can go back and listen to those bits and pieces. It also helps when 
when you ask, you know, Google Home and ask them a question and, you, you know, the search engine then looks for the answer and it's going to give it to you verbally most of the time. And so it's nice for the search engine too to know where you're answering that question so that it can quickly find it. And a way for the search engine to find your content quickly is through the use of keywords. So keywords are some terms that define or that describe the content of your web pages or like blog posts. Uh, these are used by search engines such as Google to rank your pages and websites uh, on their search engine so that when um, like users or readers are searching for some related keywords and some websites related to that keywords, your website would pop up uh, in the top pages for that for the search for that particular keyword. Yeah, and keywords tend to be the name is sort of silly as far as keywords because it kind of makes you think that it's a word. It's not always one word. It could also be a phrase like business owner, right? Some people might search for that instead of entrepreneur. So it's just different ways Different search engines are also different as far as their keywords because it's different people searching different things. The biggest search engine is Google. Uh, so it's great to look at Google and see what it's telling you. But if you're using different search engines, then it's also a great idea for you to look at those search engines and see what keywords are ranking. Did you know that 75% of the people that search for things on the internet, usually click on the first three websites that are showed up in the search results. I do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is a very surprising statistic and that's why you probably want to have the right keywords in your blog posts. Yeah, I rarely go to the second page on Google. I mean, I usually find my answer in the first page and like you're saying, right at the top. I, re I usually don't have to go I don't usually even scroll. So yeah, that that makes sense for me. Yeah, so basically like ranking higher or at the top of Google search would end up attracting a lot more readers to your website. Right, making it more of a organic search. So that's a great point because marketing isn't always going to point people to your website. I mean, it, it is, right? But it also means that there's a lot of work that put that goes into getting your website discovered. But if people are discovering it by searching on Google, which is something that we all, I mean, most of us do kind of all the time, then that's better because then it's an organic search and people are finding you in a way that is natural, not some way that is prompted. So yeah, keywords really do help with that. They help with the search engine optimization. So you're right up there on the first top 10, right, of the first page. Yeah, that is really important to have SEO on your posts so that you end up being actually in the first page of Google and most, uh, like, you attract more visitors or readers. Um, how do I go about, like, searching for the right keywords for my blog post? So there's different ways that you can do that. I We can talk a little bit more about Google uh, because that's the most popular. But again, if you're on different platforms, for example, Pinterest, it's a search engine. So if you want to do marketing on Pinterest, then because Pinterest is a search engine, then you would do keyword research on Pinterest, right? But because largely people use Google, I'm going to talk about Google now, but again, it's it's not the only thing that people use. But there's different places that you can go for keyword search. So one of them is Ubersuggest. And Ubersuggest was made by Neil Patel, and he is a blogger. So he understands why we need keywords. So that is a really great place to start. I believe it's free, and I also think that they have some services that you can pay for. So one great thing that Uber suggests us is that they also tell you the questions that are being asked in relation to those keywords. Now, if you want to go to the source itself, Google, and you don't have to do only one of these, you can do multiple of these, but 
The source itself is Google AdWords. So Google AdWords will tell you which keywords are the most popular of all time. It's free and it also tells you the search volumes. Though I love that feature because sometimes some things are more seasonal than others. Like it's not going to be evergreen content. And so you want to make sure that you're publishing those articles or those posts when it is, um, when people are searching for for those keywords. Moz is another place that you can also go to. They tend to talk about the challenging keywords. So sometimes small creators, we won't rank uh, with some keywords as other big businesses. So for example, if you sell shoes, Well, Target sells shoes too. So if your keyword is shoes, Target is going to win 100% of the time. So you might want to look at ways to optimize those keywords so that people are finding you based on the words that you're using. SEMrush is another, there's two more. So SEMrush is another search engine I'm sorry, a keyword search engine that you could use. This is used for people who are into search engine optimization. So sometimes when you need to boost your website or something's going on and you're not ranking, SEMrush is a great place to go where you can hook up your website. It can give you reports. It can tell you what to do. But one of the great things is also that keyword research. They'll tell you which ones are relevant, popular, and even profitable. So SEMrush is really powerful and they do have a free trial um, that you can sign up for. And so we'll link it all in the show notes. And lastly, phrase.ai uh, phrase is a great place to start. It's uh, They have a free trial. After that, you can also pay as well. But they do give you a list of keywords that you can use, and they will even put them into categories. And, and so when you're scanning through the keywords, you can easily see how you can use those keywords in, in like a section of your of your writing. They can also show you like synonyms, right? So that you're not using the same words again and again, but you're still ranking. And so I use phrase myself and we have a link. You could go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash phrase to get started. And, you know, if you're using any of these, we would love to know in the comment section. And now for a break, stay with us. Hey, it's Anna, and the newsletter is open right now at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. My newsletter is the most comprehensive service for blogging business owners. Each week, the newsletter focuses on strategies, features, and the benefits for online businesses. The Blogging Business Owner newsletter is the number one way that I get to connect with you each week. Having the newsletter is what drives traffic to my site every single day. So dive in now at bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. Bloggingbusinessowner.com slash N-E-W-S-L-E-T-T-E-R. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash newsletter. Yeah, thanks for telling us how to search and optimize for the keywords that we want to use in our blogging posts. A few quick tips while um, using keywords would be like, uh, we want to use keywords that are meaningful and relevant to the content that we have in the blog post and are relevant to the context of the blog post so that it's semantically similar. That would mean that it would rank higher in the search engines. Uh, Let's take an example, like suppose if you some keywords just uh, in in your blog post just to rank higher in the search engine. Uh, they these algorithms can detect artificial artificial addition of keywords to the blog posts, and they will ra- rank you down. Right, and so it's great to have keywords, but sometimes people will grab the keywords and just kind of like 
put them all into their writing, like hashtags, like you do hashtags for Instagram posts, like on the bottom, that's called keyword stuffing. So don't do that. It, it like you were saying, it does trigger the uh, search engine to know that something is up, but also people don't read that way. They don't read keyword after keyword. You, write it in a way that is natural, genuine to your audience and to you. Don't do keyword stuffing. People don't like that. And, and usually it doesn't make any sense. And so people will just bounce out of your, of your website. And if that happens enough, your website could start to be labeled as spam or just not useful and, and not ranking. Another tip would be something that we discussed earlier using headlines and headers. This uh, headlines and headers give a definite structure to your blog so that it's easy to glance over and scroll through over the blog post and get a gist of what uh, the reader wants to know from the blog post and if they want to continue reading. So headers are pretty insightful for the reader and it helps them keep engaged with the blog and the blog posts. Uh, another idea would be to probably include a table of contents in your blog post so that um, you have the relevant uh, headings and subheadings linked to that table of content and the reader could probably jump across uh, the table of contents to their topic of liking. Yeah, and usually the way that you rank is by how many times you're using those keywords, right? Some keywords make sense to use a lot more than others. So if you're using some heavy keywords that are usually used multiple times, then putting those keywords in the body, in the header, in the table of content, <laughs> content it makes your rank go up because you're using the keyword multiple times. And so you want to embed those keywords as much as possible into your writing so that it is ranking. So thank you for that. Yeah, table of contents. Um, I don't think I have used the table of contents. I probably will. So go ahead and leave a comment if that's something that you would like to see. I I love table of contents. I usually find them super helpful when, especially when it's something like content heavy. Um, so I am open to doing table of contents. I just haven't done them yet. While you're going through the process of writing a blog post, how do you know like whether it's a long article and like the readers will keep on reading it? Well, I don't know if they're going to keep reading it. I try to make it as engaging as possible. Uh, but usually I'll make long blog posts when it's a pillar post. So for example, you want to make sure that your audience and that Google knows which one are your top leading pillar articles. And so what you do is that you link internally link to them on your website. Sometimes what may happen is if you have two articles about the same subject and you're linking to internally linking to them just as much as the other, Google gets confused and it doesn't know which one is your pillar article. And then you don't rank because it doesn't know which one to pick. So I try to think about subject areas that are robust and things that I can probably break down into other articles that maybe it wouldn't make sense for me to tangent on that article. And I can just link to that pillar article later when I'm writing smaller blog posts. So that's the way that I kind of put it in my in my writing. Those pillar articles, I do try to put them at 5,000 words because like I said, they are pretty heavy in, in the context and they're going to be linked to a ton of time. So it is important that it does cover a big surface area. Now, the last tip that we have on this point is a focus on engagement. So make sure that you are writing content that is engaging and that people are staying on the blog long enough to finish reading. So some of the things that you can do is add an FAQ. So frequently asked questions. You can go to Google and see what people are asking about your topic use keywords so that they continue to read your writing and also make it uh, relevant to the time. So make sure that 
everything is up to date and people aren't reading something that is totally outdated, even when the date says that you just published it, if it's outdated content, then it's not going to be useful. Yeah, now that we have like kind of written a blog post with a nice structure with headlines and head, uh, subheaders and ha we have like keywords to rank that blog post higher inside search engines. Uh, I think we could add like more supporting content to the blog post, right? Something like images, other forms of media that might help with the blog posts. Yeah, I, I like using... Uh, visuals, especially the featured image, because you can use stock photography. I think some people take their own pictures and that's a great way to connect with your audience so that they see another part of you. But not all of us are that talented. And so finding a good stock photo shop is really important and really supports your, your business. I like to use Ivory Mix. Uh, the link is bloggingbusinessowner.com slash ivory mix. And I like using it because it goes with the aesthetic of my blog. It's super easy to find pictures. Uh, pictures are released every month or twice a month, I believe, but they already have a huge library. And so it really is about just kind of going on and picking a picture. Uh, that I want to use. And if I ever want to edit the picture, I totally can on Canva. It's super flexible with their licensing and I could even put it on a t-shirt and sell it, right? So that's the other thing about stock photos is that you wanna make sure that you're aware of their licensing and that you're able to use it in the way that you're intending to use it. So make sure that you have supporting content on your blog post. If it's just words, I mean, some people are, are okay with that, but I think that kind of gives the idea of it's more formal, more academic. Breaking it up and adding some ways to engage your audience is, is nice to do, especially when it's a blog post because it tends to be more informal and more of a conversational tone. So now at this point, we have a blog post that is ready, that has some nice headlines, um, has really nice keywords so that we show up on top of search engines. We have some supporting content, like maybe a featured image or a video that we want to use. Now, I have this first draft ready. Now, how do I go about like editing and proofreading this blog post? Yeah, well, those two things are different. So First is proofreading. So proofreading is just fixing superficial errors. So that would be things like spelling, grammar, uh, punctuation, just really surface things. You can do that. So here's some things that I would go about that. Ask a friend. So people can read something and just pick out what's wrong with it. Again, these are just like really simple mistakes that could happen. Uh, you can hire someone to do your proofreading. It's always great to to have someone who can just kind of pick up, you know, those small errors. Or because they are so small, uh, and this is what I tend to do, is I write the article and then I put it away and I don't look at it. And then once I have stepped away for, from it for about two weeks, then I come back, I look at it and I have fresh eyes, right? Because I haven't seen it for a long time. And I'm able to then pick up on all those errors that I wouldn't be able to pick up on if I was looking at it often or if I tried to do those revisions right after writing it, I probably wouldn't pick up on those. So those are surface errors. Editing is way more intensive. Uh, editing, you're looking for making sure that there is a flow to the writing, that people can start reading and they will, can continue to read it in a way that makes sense. It also looks at tone and voice and make sure that the tone in the voice is consistent throughout the writing. And even if people jump from one section to another, you still hear the same voice. Editing really makes sure that your idea is coming across through the words on the paper. So it's optimizing the way that you are communicating through writing. 
that's very difficult to do. And for for editing, I would say hire an editor. Uh, look for someone who is good at writing and who can give you those uh, points or the same thing. Walk away and then come back and see how you can improve your writing. Thankfully, there are some ways that you can do this with AI, which is helpful because sometimes we just need that support right away and nobody is really there to take the time to read our work or they're not interested in it. And so I love to use Grammarly. Grammarly is an AI tool that will pick up on on surface errors, so uh, proofreading. And it can quickly give you information about uh, sentence structure, spelling, grammar, depending on what plan you have. They do have a really great free plan that you can use. Um, I use a paid plan just because I love to use it on different platforms. Like I have it on my phone. That's my keyboard. I use it on email. I use it on Google. I use it on Docs. I mean, on, on Microsoft. I love using it on different platforms and that's why I use the paid version, but I used the free version for a really long time. And I think most people use the free version. It's really great. Uh, so if anything, pass it through Grammarly and see what errors you can fix. And that usually helps with kind of giving your mind a time to rest from heavy content because it's just grammar and spelling, you know, small errors that you can't get feedback from, from Grammarly. So use Grammarly. I, I think that's a, a great first step. And if you give a really good first draft to your editor, or you have something prepared that makes somewhat sense uh, later on, it's going to be easier to edit because it, it just, it communicates the idea maybe the craft and words is not there yet but at least the idea is there so having a first draft or whatever number it is but having a good draft that you're submitting to editing or looking at it later is really helpful and really decreases the time that is later spent on editing generally the editing process i would think is a lot more involved right um, I think the editor would go about uh, looking at your blog post, looking at its overall quality and ensuring that the ideas are expressed soundly. They would also look at the voice and tone that you want to convey and whether it's being actually conveyed through the blog post. And they would also probably glance at the headers and subheaders and probably a table of contents if you have it in there and see whether those uh, headers and subheaders make sense while proofreading the blog post. Right. There's line editing and copy editing. And if you want to hear more about that, please comment. Uh, I think it's really important for you, if, if you're going to hire an editor, to be clear about what type of editing you're looking for so that they can give you feedback. So yeah, you're right. Sometimes there's a lot of words that are kind of put into one paragraph. And so an editor could go in and make suggestions about how to increase the readability and the, uh, according to the audience and what it's for. But not every editor is going to do that uh, if if it if it's not asked. And so make sure that you're very clear with your editor if you're going to hire an editor to so that they know what you're looking for and and what type of um, struggles you have with your writing. Yeah, uh, after uh, proofreading and uh, getting an editor to look at our articles, uh, I would think like the whole process is a bit time consuming, right? Um, you write the blog post, get it, uh, add more pictures to it, make sure that it's readable, you get it proofread. I would think like these steps are time consuming. Um, how do you go about like uh, managing your time? <laughs> yeah, so writing is very time consuming. And there are some strategies that we can go over how to write faster. But yeah, it usually does take 
um, maybe about like four hours to get to a place where you think it might be ready. Then you just kind of scan it over and, and start to do other things, right? Like linking and making sure that it's up on the website and all those things. But it usually does take about four hours. And I, that is a struggle, especially for people who are starting blogging because most people aren't used to writing every day. Uh, so it is a struggle to stay on one topic for four hours if, if you don't have four hours consecutively to sit down or the patience to write it all down. So my first tip is to practice. So practice writing every day. I know when I heard practice writing every day, the first time I actually tried to do it and it was all like creative writing it was so awful i felt so tortured i had a special room in my house where i would go to write i absolutely hated that room i did everything i could to make it better and i just i didn't like that room so i think making associations is really important <laughs> um so what i do now is that i embed writing into my everyday so maybe one day I'm writing captions, right? So that is pretty creative work. Uh, another day I might be writing an outline. Another day I might be writing a newsletter. Another day I'm writing the actual blog post. So you can see how every day I'm writing, but I'm writing with a target. And it is it does kind of look into different parts of my brain. And I... I like that. I like changing it up. That works for me. For other people, it, you know, they might be a little bit more structured, but for me, it, it works to change it up and, and to not have a, such a rigid schedule like I had before. <laughs> I'm going to sit down and write. Uh, but if that works for you, then that works for you. I mean, everybody's a little bit different. <laughs> the next tip is to actively seek knowledge. And as a blogger, you're always going to be learning. I mean, this is an online platform and things are changing all the time. And so getting used to just learning all the time is important. And it really helps with the writing process because the more you have your ear to the ground, the more you're able to get content to recall back, you know, different areas or resources that you can tap into. And so making sure that you're actively learning. So that might mean um, being part of a workshop, joining a subreddit, uh, whatever it is, that is really important for you to keep up. Right now I'm doing the Growth Academy with Ivory Mix, and I'm learning about how to get more or how to grow on different platforms like Pinterest, Instagram, and email marketing. And so that's what's helping me right now. So while going about writing your blog posts, I think uh, having some sort of design or structure to your writing would definitely help. Once you have uh, an idea of a topic that you want to write about, you can create an outline with headers uh, that would act as a mind map. So you could just jump to the different subheaders and just fill it up with content and voila, you have a blog post ready. Another way to speed up your writing would be to use links. So if you have some content that's already been written about previously in your blog, so you could uh, refer to that content by just putting a link there. And that way your blog won't be that repetitive and you're linking to your own blog inside your blog post. So that will be also better for the search algorithm. Using that strategy is really great. It's also, it helps your backlinks if you are also linking to other uh, pillar content. So for example, Google gives a ton of information about how to rank on Google. And so I might link to Google when I'm trying to explain like indexing or something like that because they have, they're going to be updating their system, right? More than I'll be updating my blog post. And so if I'm referencing to them, then people will always have the updated version through Google themselves, rather than, you know, me updating the blog post, uh, because that that's unlikely for me to update things as they happen every time. And so if there is, you know, within your uh, blog, or even outside, then making sure that you're linking to those is really important. 
So we want to talk a little bit about how to keep readers interested. We touched a little bit about it uh, before, uh, but did you know that the average reader spends 37 seconds reading a blog post? That's so less. Um, you put in a lot of effort. Like I would think like at least like 3.5 to 4 hours of work in it. And you're probably like judged within like 37 seconds. Yeah. And honestly, I do that too. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> uh, probably sometimes. I think... I think if it's a new new person uh, or a new blog that I'm reading up, I think there's a high probability that that might be true. <laughs> yeah, I tend to do that. I, I mean, I read a ton of blog posts, but yeah, I I scan them over and if they don't grab my attention, I just kind of bounce out. Um, and I think that's really normal. I mean, that's not anything, you know, like... <laughs> Anyway, if you find that this is happening, that you have a high bounce rate, then you might want to look into the user experience or the UX. And this is a shift in mindset. So before the mindset used to be, uh, let's do promotion and let's do branding, right? And that's all in favor of the business. And what I'm asking you to do is to change your mindset and to think about it from the user's point of view. So what is going to make the user experience better? Is it going to be less ads, more headlines, more pictures, guided reading? What is going to make someone read your blog post and have an enjoyment while they're on your website? Because the reality is, is that if people enjoy being on your website, they're going to stay longer. And that is great for your ranking. And also, I mean, you put a lot of effort into this and you want people to enjoy it. So yes, if your content is good, people are going to read it, but they're going to stay longer and give you more of a chance if they're able, if they feel well, and if they're able to navigate the website. So be creative with your blog post. Uh, make sure that it's accessible to people. Make sure that it's relevant. Uh, so you're talking about things that are happening now uh, and you're maintaining your content. So for example, in 2020, people were more open to stay, uh, to do kind of longer cooking sessions. So for example, for people who were bloggers about cooking, uh, they started to put more content about things that took a little bit longer in the kitchen because people wanted to be creative and they wanted to use more spices and be more fragrant. Before it was more about five minute meals or, you know, fresh frozen. And so you know, that wasn't really working during COVID. People were staying home and wanting to cook. <laughs> uh, so make sure that it's relevant and that it's touching with whatever is happening in the world. Another thing that you want to do with your blog posts is like you want to keep them easy to read. So having a structure definitely helps. If you have headers and subheaders inside your blog post, that definitely helps. Um, it, it helps your writing process and it also helps the readers in such a way that they get to browse the post and see like uh, if they want to keep engaged with the post or not. Most likely, uh, as you have a good uh, topic outline and topic content and with good headers, they would want to stay engaged with the blog posts a lot more. Yeah, you also want to make sure that you're making it accessible. So making sure that you're adding alt text. There's so many benefits to alt text. It's not just, you know, accessibility, which in itself, that is super important that everybody gets access to your blog post. But also if your picture for some reason couldn't load, then the alt text could give insight into what was supposed to be there so that people don't lose context if that's the purpose of the image. Most people are now using their cell phone to go on websites. So make sure that you have a responsive website so that whether people are finding you on their mobile or they're looking for you on PC, they're able to browse your website 
Um, if the website doesn't adapt or is not responsive to mobile and things are shifting, like the blocks on your WordPress website, like things are not linear, they have to go left and right to search for things, that usually is off-putting and people will bounce out. So make sure that it's a great experience and that they're able to scroll and click on links that actually take them to where they want to go. Another tip to keep your readers engaged is like have uh, have a website that loads fast. Uh, if it's not a fast loading website, it's a big turnoff for most users. Uh, I can uh, I have done that in the past. If I see like a website that's not loading fast enough, I'll be probably like disengaged and probably wouldn't be interested in reading the post. There's uh, data out there which conveys that about like 50% of the people want the websites to be loaded within like two seconds. If you can't make an impression within the first two or three seconds, you are bound to lose some readers and some engagement over there. Yeah, people don't don't like uh, slow websites and neither does Google or the search engine. So it needs to be able to load fast. As in addition to loading, it needs to be easy to navigate. So people need to be able to find what they're looking for quickly. So for example, on our website, we have different places in the website. So there's an about me page, a contact me page, there's a podcast, there is a blog post. So if people are on the website and they want to specifically look for a blog post or for the podcast, which usually that's the intent of people when they go on your website, like when it's a direct search. So when they have that intent, you want to make sure that you're making it really easy for people to find what they're looking for. If they don't find it, they're going to bounce out. Along with keeping the website easy to navigate, you want to ensure that your content is always uh, interesting and engaging for your audience. Uh, usually it's recommended that your sentences should be about like 25 words long. Uh, and the reason for that is like, uh, it is easy to comprehend sentences that are short enough and people can get their questions answered like quickly. So that, that will definitely help with the engagement. Right. You want to make sure that people are understanding the concept that you're trying to get across. And so making sure that those sentences are robust enough, but also not long, right? Because they want to make sure that they're capturing it. Also think about snippets. So when Google, when you ask Google a question, Google will usually show at the top like a box and they'll like have the answer to your question. That's called a snippet. So if Google were to find your article and your article were to be talking about something that was just searched, you want to make sure that that answer is going to fit in that snippet box. So make sure that you are writing something that gets that message across fast enough so that it can all be in that snippet because you do want to rank at the top of the search engine. Another tip would be uh, to keep your paragraphs like kind of short so that they are like three to five sentences. Um, that will help with the comprehension and engagement for sure. That goes along with our previous recommendation of like trying to keep your sentences as short as probably like 25 words. Uh, these two together will help uh, maintain engagement and comprehension for your topic. Yeah, and listen to feedback. So see if what you're writing is resonating with your audience. See if it's helpful. If they want to hear more about one subject than the other, then pivot. Find your audience and make sure that you're writing relevant information and that you're putting out content that is important for them and something that they want to engage with. Sometimes the content is something that they want to hear about. It's just not in the way that they like to hear it. And so adapting to different areas and using uh, different modalities is really important. Embed pictures, embed videos, embed something that's going to come across to your readers. Not everybody is going to want to read a blog post, uh, but they do want to learn what you have to say. And so making sure that you're reaching them wherever they're at is really important. Okay, so that was a ton. So let's give you some quick tips. So 
remember the sen sentence length is really important. Uh, keep it to about 25 words. Uh, keep the paragraph length to about three to five sentences. The image placement, add visuals and graphics every 300 words or so. Uh, whatever links that you keep in your post, uh, ensure that they open in a new tab so that you don't le lose readers from your original post. Use headers and embed keywords in them. So use header one, header two, and header three to make sure that you have a good and consistent flow. To have good engagement with your post, ensure that the flow of information inside your post is uh, comprehensive. You would have like an introduction, a body, and a conclusion to your uh, blog post so that the user, uh, the reader can stay engaged with your blog post. So now you are done with your blog post, right? It's up on the website and it, it's already been published, right? It's been live. So it's really important for you to maintain and update those blog posts because blog posts live for a really long time and it's not a one and done. You can go back and update and maintain those blog posts. It, it's really great when you have that same link that continues to perform year after year. At some point in your blogging uh, business, you will come to a point where you're looking more at content management than writing blog posts. You might be updating four articles a, a week and only writing one rather than, you know, when you're starting out, you're writing a ton and not maintaining many because there's not many to maintain. And so you want to look at your analytics and see what is performing and what is not performing. And for those that are not performing, take a look at if the links are broken, uh, if it's outdated, if this is something that people are still interested in, if they're not interested in it, then, you know, some people tend to delete those blog posts, but that's, that's really, um, your call. If that's what you want to do, see if it's addressing people's needs, if it's ranking, if this is something that people are searching for, if it's seasonal, maybe it's being released or promoted at the wrong time of the year. And look at frequently asked questions. You can ask your audience. You can look at Reddit. You can go to phrase uh, and see what people are asking and make sure that it's consistent with your readership. So whatever they want to hear from you, adapt and pivot to what they need. Those are some really good tips about uh, keeping your blog posts updated. I would think like as you mature, as your blog matures, um, later on, you'll have more time for update, updating your posts rather than writing new posts. I would think that that's true. Now, suppose you have a blog post written. Uh, is there a thing called as a perfect blog post? <laughs> like it has a lot of engagement. Uh, there's a lot of people visiting it. It has higher engagement in terms of like people spending time on the blog post. Right. Those are all indicators of a high performing or perfect blog post. You can notice a perfect blog post by the analytics. People are staying on that page longer. They're sharing it. They're clicking on the links. They're coming back to that same article and engaging with it again and again. Those are all really great signs that that blog post is ranking. Ask yourself why it's ranking and, and try to duplicate that strategy again and again. So summarizing our discussion today, I would say that like a blog is a really effective way to connect with your audience and boost your brand. Uh, it will be a definite boost to your business. So we recommend you to take take out time from your day and try to optimize your blog posts so that you could boost your business. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And this is our experience with writing blog posts. We want to hear from you as well. How's it going for you? What works? What have you found that doesn't work for you? Everybody's experience is different, but sharing tips and tricks is always helpful because someone else might be benefiting from something that you're doing and vice versa. So make sure that you are commenting on the blog post and on the show notes and that you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find the show notes on bloggingbusinessowner.com slash show notes. Thank you so much for spending this time for us. We are so grateful for you. Yeah, thank you for joining us today and hope you have an awesome day.
Thank you for connecting with us. It's always a pleasure and privilege to share time with you. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform where you can consume our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and comment on the blog post. You can find the show notes by going to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash show notes. I'm your co-host, Anna. And this is your co-host, Chaitanya. Thanks for joining us and listening to us today. I hope you have a wonderful day. So as you know, I have been in the podcasting space for some weeks now, and I have been very lucky to produce successful episodes. If you want to hear more episodes, go to bloggingbusinessowner.com slash podcast. Access the one stop to subscribe to your favorite platform and connect with us online. That's bloggingbusinessowner.com slash podcast.